we're back. They probably thought we weren't going to make another episode, but guess what? Mike returned from spring training. I made it through a weekend of sun in Wilmington. My wife barely did. How's it going, Mike? I am not a Florida man. <laughs> How was the uh, the trip down? I know you got to see a couple <laughs> of the, uh, the former players up here. You got to visit a casino one night. You got to do all, all kinds of fun things uh, in the wild free lands of Florida. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty cool, man. Uh, I mean, just great to see the UNCW guys. That was the reason why we went down there in the first place. So pretty cool to see Ryan Jeffers and Greg Jones both get into the same game, um, albeit not at the same time, but still, you know, they're at the same time uh, or same game, I should say, and got to see Evan throw there for the Orioles in a different location. Pretty cool, man. Uh, I can definitely see how, you know, the, the snowbirds that, live down there for, you know, whatever portion of the year they live down there. Um, March is a great reason, a great month to be down there. And man, there's probably about, I don't know, eight stadiums within like a two hour drive of each other. So man, you know, when there's no more UNCW baseball, which hopefully never ever happens, but not a bad alternative. (laughs) Good to know that you have an alternative plan. Uh, we also, right after, <laughs> right after that, we got to see uh, Seth Frankoff make a pretty good start for the Diamondbacks out in the uh, the Arizona League. Um, so good things all around for the former Seahawks. Uh, good things all around for the current Seahawks, too. I was uh, I made my maiden voyage of the season down for the uh, two weekend games against Appalachian State, and Landon kind of got things started on Friday night with a great start, easily his best start of the year, and and talked a little bit about the adjustments he made to get there. Uh, Saturday was a a similar kind of nip and tuck game for a little while before UNCW put it away, and Sunday uh, just on top uh, from the start and and never really looked back. So altogether, a pretty great weekend for UNCW baseball. Yeah, great. I'd, I'd call it a rebound weekend, you know, tough to say a, a two and two series split against Cincinnati is, is like a down weekend for this program, but it is. Uh, uh, and especially in the fashion that it happened, uh, got off to a bunch of early leads against Cincinnati. You know, we didn't really talk about this series since we took the last week off, uh, but lost a couple of games there on Friday and Saturday did not have the quality starting pitching that you referenced from specifically Landon Roop and Luke Gazelle on those Friday and Saturday games. It took, you know, a wild walk-off on Sunday to salvage that series. Things were looking pretty grim there uh, when Cincinnati was leading that game 8-1 to one, uh, for, you know, pretty much the first half of that game. Uh, but, you know, it seemed like the boys kind of took their lumps, took their lessons from that series and parlayed it into a series sweep, outscoring App State 17-3 to three on the weekend, you know, things are looking pretty good for the Hawks. Yeah. The, the Cincinnati series, you know, coming in, they had had a pretty two rough series out there against Clemson and Western Kentucky. So you're kind of expecting to roll through that, but man, they had some, they had some team, talent on that team. They, they, they got a guy that's going to be drafted pretty early. The pitcher, Evan Shaver, uh, they got a couple bats in that lineup that can do some things. So um, yeah, I think it was a, it was a good lesson in uh, once you get a lead, you can't really be comfortable because it was two straight days, went up 4-0, and then even the first game we won, we were up really big in that one and nearly blew that lead too. So um, good lesson, good lesson to get in the non-conference, and it, it seemed to uh, to lead into really big things, especially coming off Trevor Marsh, uh, going with the big walk-off on Sunday, uh, gave him some momentum going into this weekend. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything you could really nitpick about this weekend at all. Well, you know, I, I guess there's always something, Grant. Um, wow, thanks. You've you got to always be the downer. <laughs> yeah, there's never a perfect 10 service. There's always something you can improve upon. So I'm going to give it a nine. Okay, okay. That's dumb. You're, you're tough. Yeah, you know, you're, 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 you've, you've, outside of Randy Hood and Mark Scaff, you've watched more Seahawk baseball over the past decade <laughs> than anyone. So I will probably uh, defer to you. I don't on know. I think well, that maybe, maybe I've outwatched Reardon. Who knows at this point? He's a big volleyball guy now. Um, anyway, side note. Uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's always, uh, there's always something, man. You know, it's, you're never, never, you're never where you want to be. Cause if you are, there's probably something wrong. Um, but yeah, the starting pitch is coming around. You're seeing, you know, especially your top two guys, Landon and Luke go the distance, but by no means were those, you know, stress fee, careless, you know, innings, they, they definitely had their ups and downs throughout those outings there. So you, you'd always want something like that to be a little bit more you know, easier on your starting pitching. Uh, of course, you know, Calvert on Sunday only made it about, he was two and a third, if I'm not mistaken. Two and two thirds, um, gave two up one thirds. hit, but he did, he walked four. And the difficulty kind of came when he got two outs twice. He, uh, he walked three guys with two outs and, and hit a batter with two outs. So, um, you know, you were thinking like, wow, this kid's about to, to have a day. <laughs> he was just rolling through that first, uh, the first inning, he rolled through the first inning, he rolled through the second inning until, or, until there were two outs. And then he, he kind of got out of that one. And then in the third inning, when he, he got in trouble, uh, he, he got pulled there, but I mean, obviously you can see the, the potential there with the freshman. Um, so that I, I'd say overall good start, but yeah, I mean, command, I think there, there have been a few more walks and, and hit batters than, you know, Coach Hood mentioned that on Sunday. He said there were a few more of those than we would have liked to have had. But, um, yeah, overall pretty good because the bullpen came in and just did a phenomenal job on Sunday, as they did on bullpen, Saturday. Bullpen looked pretty good on the weekend for sure. That one's going to be tough to nitpick. Uh, but, Calvert, how about this? You know, the first time, and I don't know if you know the, the number, or I don't, because uh, I can remember that a pitcher uh, was taking hacks at the plate during a, a game, you know, for the Seahawks. I believe um, Chris Thorborn was slated to start that game, scratched, you know, right before the game. And so Calvert goes in, came in as, you know, a, a two-way guy. And, um, you know, maybe, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but didn't look so good at the plate, didn't look comfortable at the plate. I don't know if that had anything to do with, you know, what was going on on the mound as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I know he he put up some big time hitting numbers in high school. So, um, I, I guess I guess it's a little bit of a leap when you get to college and you're facing that college pitching. It was kind of a strange game because App State also decided to hit their pitcher yeah. on Sunday, which uh, I'm not sure if there was like a mutual agreement or or what. But uh, yeah, it was just a, a weird little thing that happened. And I know Reardon mentioned after the game that it Sunday. App State's right-hander was the first uh, – he broke a streak of six straight left-handed starting pitchers against UNCW. So it was a good opportunity for some righties to get, uh, like Ron Evans and Dylan LaFerrari, to, to get themselves uh, going a little bit. Yeah, and I, I would say that would be the only other criticism I would have. Um, you know, man, we're really getting on these guys here. Uh, you know, still on the offensive side, there's a couple guys that just you know haven't gotten in that groove yet. I think we talked about it last time. You know, let's say the Noah Bridges of the world, the Ron Evans of the world that just haven't gotten in that groove. And, 
you know, maybe you can blame lefty righty kind of thing, but you know, you got other guys out there that are not switch guys that are, that are feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, you just need, you know, one or two more of those guys, be it lefty or righty to really start trucking along. And then you've got, you know, a lineup from top to bottom one through nine, that could be really a threat right now. I think, you know, maybe it's kind of like a one through six, one through seven kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're really solid up top now with what you're getting out of Brooks Baldwin in that leadoff spot and Kip Brandenburg's got a 15 game hitting streak. He's going back to last season. I mean, those two have to be pretty early favorites for uh, guys that you're going to think of for CAA player of the year at this point. Um, and Cole Weiss has been great and and on Tabor Monchero has been great in the, the nine spot because he's been able to, yeah. to move guys even when he's not getting himself on base. And yeah, that's, that was the one thing that Brooks Baldwin kind of pointed out yesterday when I asked him for the assessment of where they are this season. And he said, you know, once they get one or two more bats going, they're going to feel really, really good, which uh, you can see, like, especially when Noah Bridges bunted for a couple of hits on Sunday and once he's on base, I mean, it's even money that he's going the distance out there because he causes so many problems with his speed. Yep. I mean, there's just I, – I can't see a way that anyone's going to get him out on a – no catcher is going to throw him out stealing second this year. There's there's just no way. Yeah, he's five for five so far on the young season. Remember, he missed the first week, you know, due to COVID protocols and whatnot. So Yeah, and, you know, Trevor Marsh was a guy that um, – I know uh, Coach Hood was talking, I, I asked him about that too, was he had a great at-bat on Sunday. It was just like an epic 14-pitch at-bat where he ended up, uh, I think he ended up striking out, but he fouled off like seven straight pitches or something absurd like that. And he had a great at-bat on uh, Saturday night where he hit a ball pretty hard to center field. It just happened to go right at a guy. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a baseball player, and I don't, <laughs> I don't pretend to be there's there, those guys know more or have forgotten more about baseball than I ever will be. So I was curious, you know, as to, you know, do you look at at bats like that as the right, like, are you more interested in the process than the result? And that, that seems to be the case of, Hey, if you're putting together at bats like that, you're going to break through eventually. So seems that they yeah. are pleased with uh, where some guys are headed in that direction with their, their practice and their pregame work. Yeah, I think so too. And so, you know, it's just a matter of who's going to step up. Uh, you know, hopefully sooner than later, uh, you know, at the plate. And, uh, you know, you're just hoping the uh, the guys on the mound can continue those, you know, small adjustments, those subtle improvements, whether, whether it be physical, whether it be mental. And, uh, you know, you want to see those guys like Roop and Gazelle get through seven, eight innings, you know, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more carefree. Yeah, it's pretty nice when you can get through seven and you just have to go, uh, you throw out. I mean, I, I think there are a couple of guys that you feel really good about. You throw, you feel really good about putting Hodges out there for an inning, and you feel great about putting Adam Smith out there for an inning. So if you get to a situation, I mean, probably even more than one inning with a couple of those guys, we've seen them go multiple. But if you yeah. need one out of, one inning out of both of those guys to finish off a win, we're feeling pretty darn good about it. So um, that was great to see. I mean, there the list is, it just goes on and on with the relievers and. Um, they could have been two runs on Sunday, but I think they wanted to get some other guys in the bullpen, some work given that it was a seven zero lead. If, if that's a closer game, then maybe they're not throwing a couple of those guys out there, but you know, uh, you got to get guys ready for the midweek situation and, and all kinds of different things that are going to arise. And another big thing that happened on Sunday is that Gage Herring got his first inning of the season. I think he was hurt to start the year. And um, that's another big time arm that's, going to figure in pretty heavily to, to what UNCW is looking to do on the back end of games. 
I think I agree with your assessment. They're just trying to get some guys in that hadn't played uh, a lot or at all this year for one reason or another. Uh, you probably, I think you probably would have wanted to get out of that game without having to go to Adam Smith, I suppose, yeah. you know, maybe save him for the midweek, but uh, you know, got, what was it? A bases loaded situation. I think at the end there, seven to one bases loaded. Yeah. You know, seven to one bases loaded. The, let's just close the door and get out of here. Right. Exactly. So, uh, but yeah, you know, good to see those guys get some, some time, you know, who knows when or if you'll need them again uh, or when, or if they'll get a chance again. Uh, with with the depth that we've seen so far, like you said, uh, the Hodges, the Smiths. I don't I don't think you mentioned the Codas, the Bentons. You know, I mean, yeah, they they were all great just, too. It I goes think. on and on. Yeah, the list goes on and on. I was like making. I try to put together a, like a spreadsheet every weekend to just uh, you know crunch out the weekend stats to to do the series stats, and it felt like I listed every pitcher on the roster eventually this weekend. So. Um, yeah, it was just a, a really awesome weekend to get those guys some work. And I mean, obviously, App State's still a program that um, obviously is not where they want to be, um, but I think they're getting better. I mean, the Sun Belt is a really tough league. They've taken some steps forward under uh, Kermit Smith there. Um, they're getting in the right direction. So, um, yeah, not not all bad for App State. They're, they're a growing program. So, um, yeah, anytime you can give up three runs in a weekend, it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they've got a series win over Winthrop. they got a series win over A&T, a midweek over East Tennessee State. You know, I don't know where they're going to end up the year, but so far out of the first month, I mean, they've got two sweeps to UNCW and East Carolina, two, you know, let's say top 50 programs. Um, but I, I think they might, you know, make a run for it there in the, uh, the old fun belt. Yeah, the uh, the fun belt is a good league. They got a, the Louisiana teams down there. They got Coastal. Uh, even Texas Arlington's been pretty good in that league. South Alabama's been good. So they they play some pretty good competition. Um, yeah, and speaking of what you were saying, top fifty programs. We are in the the college baseball nation top fifty this week. Checking in, uh, just I think at forty five there. So good little uh, recognition for the guys going into a big midweek game against East Carolina um, Wednesday night. Pirates are, I think, number eight, number nine, depends on which poll you look at. They've been absolutely rolling through the competition. They got a couple big wins over Duke. Uh, they've been pitching really, really well. They're not giving up many runs. Um, the bats are obviously there, as they always are for East Carolina. And um, Brooksfield is going to be on fire with all 492 people allowed, I think, on Wednesday night. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see uh, the makeup of those 492 people as, uh, you know, in a normal situation, you'll see a pretty good purple contingent, you know, on the third baseline, uh, you know, in the stands and up the bleachers. Uh, I'm not so sure that many people wearing purple are getting an opportunity at tickets for this game. So it might be a, you know, a very home friendly crowd, I guess, one of the small silver linings of the, uh, the COVID era, I guess. Well, I would hope so, because I saw one of the ECU accounts, I think the, the Jungle account was tweeting out the link uh, for tickets go on sale Tuesday morning, I think, and they were tweeting that out to get their fans, uh, you yeah. know, ready to buy those tickets. And that would be a, a big shame if all of those people fill up the stands. Um, be a shame if one of them gets a <laughs> ticket. Yeah, one is too many. Um, 
not that we have anything against our friends uh, from Greenville. Or- no, no. In a normal year, you know, it's great to have that. But when there's only, you know, what is it, 400 available to, for purchase uh, and the Seahawk Club gets priority on that, you know, that's, who's, that's who should be getting the tickets. If, if, that, if that's not the case, there's something wrong. Correction, we do have something against our friends from Greenville, mostly. Well, well eh. yeah, it's all in good fun. Yeah. I think there'll be, I think there's in a way pass list. So hope, you know, hopefully the parents are there and, and all that. And if, you know, if, however that works out, that should, that'll be fine. But if there's a hundred people uh, wearing purple shirts with their pass list, that's fine. Not one more. <laughs> not one more. That, not that one should more. be the hashtag. Not one more. <laughs> uh, so I guess, it, yeah, it's, it kind of comes full circle because it was uh, ECU was the last game last year when things really were starting to turn around and, uh, I know uh, Coach Hood and several of the players said that they felt like the team was finding its footing after that Memphis series, and um, the subs walk off bomb. Is uh, if you're going to have your season canceled, I guess that's a pretty way, pretty good way to go into the off season. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember it very well. I actually rewatched uh, the video I took of it uh, from the stands. I'll probably retweet it sometime this week. Um, but, you know, and it's interesting because you asked Coach Hood the question and you know the answer he's going to give you. It's, you know, it's just another game. It doesn't really matter who's on the other side of the field, whether it's an undefeated team, number one in the country, or whether it's a winless team that's never won a game. You know, you go out there to win the game and you, you play to win the game. Uh, you know, there's my Herm Edwards there. Um, but your question, I, I think, does have some merit. And if you look at the, the colonial standings right now, you know, the CAA, where normally like the Elons and the Charlestons and the Northeasterns of the world usually do bring in a, a pretty good RPI, um, just hasn't happened over the first month of the season. So if, if you're UNCW looking at it on paper from a numbers perspective, I mean, these midweek, these midweek games might be bigger than they normally are just because you don't really have that opportunity to prove yourself on the weekends. So... I think this is the one and only game against East Carolina this year. Uh, you know, you're going to have a, NC, a couple NC states, a couple coastals, a, a North Carolina. But, uh, you know, I, I think you really got to get some of these midweek games here to, to keep that uh, at-large bid alive. Yeah, the, the CAA can be a two-bid league. We've seen it be a two-bid league. We've seen it be a two-bid league when we need to, the at-large bid, and we've seen it be a two-bid league when we win the championship and Northeastern gets in, so – um, actually, I think we ended up getting three that year, right? Where it was Charleston might have been in as well. Not sure, but uh, this year maybe the I, year I, that uh, I think the year that Towson came out as like a four seed in the tournament, they won it. Um, good old Towson. We, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this year looking at the CAA standings, I think uh, not good. Things have gone very poorly. Uh, yeah, league. So, um, yeah, I mean, we got a sound effects budget now, so that's that's pretty big time. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm in agreement with. Um, I mean, you don't want to wreck things with your pitching rotation. Obviously, you're not going to throw no. like, your top line starters out there on a Wednesday night. Um, but I think it is a little more imperative to win these games for your strength. You, you got to build that resume a little more because. Thankfully, UNCW is in the Southern Division of the CAA, which is 
slightly better than the Northern Division, but um, right now it's not a whole lot to write home about. So um, I'm curious to see how they're going to stack up the pitching and, and all that kind of thing on um, and what they're going to do with the pitching staff. I know Jacob Schaefer got the start in that uh, fourth Cincinnati game that was kind of treated like a midweek game. I'm interested to see whether, uh, you know, you go with a, and he pitched really well in that one. He pitched well in relief on Sunday. If you go with a guy like that, a freshman that, that pitched well to start this one, or do you want a guy like Braden Gorham to go out there who's got some experience, uh, you know, calm, uh, calm and collected going against, you know, one of the the top, well, currently top 10 teams in the nation. You want a guy with a little more experience getting that start and what's probably going to be a game where you're going to use five, six pitchers at, at the least. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see exactly how, how that plays out. Um, <clears throat> I mean, like you referenced, with the, the bullpen being so locked down on the weekend and the opportunity for some of those younger guys to get in there. I mean, I think pretty much outside of Roop and Gazelle, I mean, I think anyone else is probably available for that game on Wednesday against East Carolina. And again, with the odd COVID cork for this week at William and Mary, you don't even have a Friday game. So that's, it's a double header on Saturday. So, you know, just an extra day of rest for those guys. Anyone that goes on Wednesday, it's probably still come back and pitch at some point on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I think it's, we'll it's see also, what happens. It's great that uh, Gage Herring got some work in on Sunday too to, to get ready because he's one of those experienced arms that could go out there and maybe give you a couple of really solid innings and isn't going to get too rattled in a big game. So that's going to be really fun. Looking forward to getting down there on Wednesday night for that, for the first midweek game of the year. As fun as, uh, you know, the weekend games, uh, there's just something about those, the midweek night games uh, when you get a big, big time team coming in feels a little more special, especially if, you know, a little, little pregame fun out there. If you're drinking ginger ale, like, like some, or maybe you're having uh, something else to enjoy in the, uh, in, in the tailgate lot there. Well, there's no tailgate lot this year, Brent. No, no, you know sorry. That. COVID with your COVID mask on socially, distanced, all that stuff from home. Yeah, um, but we I think we're, we got a little perch merch uh, coming out on Wednesday. Um, yeah, look, yes, look for do. the guy we're... with the beard and the long hair. Maybe he'll, uh, he'll hook you up with something. It's been a big hit. We, we got our first piece of perch merch out to a it was originally it was a family family and friends exclusive uh, for the coaching staff players and stuff. But Colin Underwood was the first fan to hit me up for one of those uh, koozies. So very glad that he did. Um, looking forward to seeing more people carrying around stuff with our silly logo on it. Um, as we continue to get this thing off the ground, which is really largely, uh, at this point based on Lauren Francis photo taking abilities, because, um, people come to the website for my words, I guess sometimes, but they're definitely coming every day to download her photos. So that's been a really cool addition for us and, and something that's going to be really important to our continued growth. Yeah. I mean, great stuff since she's been out there. She's been, what she start last weekend, Cincinnati? Yeah, she did. Uh, I think three of the Cincinnati games. She got a couple in this weekend. And she'll be out there on Wednesday uh, for, for ECU for sure. So uh, great stuff. Go ahead. Me. I mean, she's a freshman at UNCW, right? Correct. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the goal of this thing is we want to get – we want for, we want students who are interested in different things. Uh, funny, everybody wants like nobody wants to write. Uh, writing's over, I guess. Everybody wants to take photos and do graphics and all that stuff. So um, I yeah. signed up for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we we got you. You're like <laughs> what, like a twentieth year senior or something. So 
Uh, so, yeah, still a junior technically. Ah, well, you know, it happens. We've all been there. I, I remember getting to my sophomore year and thinking I was a sophomore and then finding out I was still a freshman because of uh, one class my spring semester when I, I hadn't quite figured out how to be a college student yet, um, like going to class, those sorts of things. Yeah, I, I switched, my major switched, I don't know, probably as many years as I went to school there. So I probably became a sophomore several times only to be or relegated back to a freshman based on the needs of the uh, credits for the major. But uh, anyways, she does great work. Uh, hopefully more people, you know, want to volunteer their time and services. And I know it, it definitely benefits them towards their classwork and uh, towards their majors, if they're an English major, arts major, whatever, uh, wherever the puzzle pieces fit. And if you're out there enjoying uh, the words or the pictures or whatever else comes out, uh, I know you have the links on the website. You can always, uh, you know, tip there for, for the photos, for the words. I know it goes a long way, especially when you're freshman in college. I do remember those days. Yes. Yeah, that's very cool. I, I hope that people are, are dropping something in the donation here in there. Uh, maybe get a coffee or tacos or a trip to Jerry Allen's, whatever, whatever you want. Something better than ramen noodles and hot dogs. (laughs) So, well, speaking of, you know, we, we had some adventures up to Greenville and around the, the general, uh, the ECU games when we were students. Do you, do you have like one or two things that really stick out from those, uh, either the trips or, or when I, I have one that really sticks out. I, they were involved a shirtless man carrying a whiteboard over to the ECU section and, and being berated by security. But what, what do you really remember? Well, that was, that was in Wilmington, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. That was yeah. a home game. Uh, I think in 2008, maybe, I think it, it feels like 2008, my senior year. I'll tell, okay. I'll, I'll say, I'll say one story from Greenville. I, you know, honestly uh, with those, those they're weekday trips usually, you know, like a Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's not like we really invade the town and, you know, get rowdy for hours on end, uh, or I shouldn't say it that way. We do get rowdy for hours on end, but it's at Clark LeCalera stadium and not really anywhere else. Uh, I suppose the uh, regional there in 2018 might've been the exception. Although a lot of time that weekend was spent on the party bus. So even then <laughs> not a lot of, uh, experiencing the actual Greenville, North Carolina culture, but there was a game club. Club Hell yeah. Club hell. Yeah. Um, But there was a game in Greenville and I think you were there. We rolled with a a pretty deep crowd of maybe eight of us or something like that rolled up there. And um, that stadium, man, you know, it's the pirate club seating uh, with the chair backs all the way around the lower level. And if you just have a general admission ticket, you're kind of relegated to the bleachers, which it's not very conducive for my wants and needs at a baseball game. I like to be up close to the action. I don't have to be right behind home plate. In fact, I kind of prefer to be a little bit further up the line behind the dugout, maybe around first base or so, uh, where I'm not right there at the plate, but close enough, you know, within striking distance, if you will. Uh, but I believe the eight of us or so got the general mission tickets and sat down in the pirate club section where nobody uh, came to sit. However, yeah, uh, because we were wearing teal and, you know, we were a little boisterous, perhaps, uh, you know, the event staff routinely came back and checked to see if those, in fact, were our seats. And uh, slowly but surely, uh, <laughs> everyone was asked to leave that section. And when I was asked if I had my ticket, I said, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. I dropped it somewhere. I'm not sure where it is. 
And uh, to which the gentleman replied, well, what happens if you have to leave the game? And I said, well, I'm not leaving until the game's over. It's not a problem. I'm, I'm in the stadium. I'm good to go. Uh, but I noticed whenever anyone left the section to say, go get a soda or go to the bathroom, that's when they recheck the tickets. So from probably about the third inning on, I really had to use the bathroom, but I made it a point that I would not be uh, removed from my seat that I took at the beginning of the game. And so while the other seven people kind of ended up sitting behind me, you know, 10 rows back in the bleachers, they were cheering me on to make sure that I did not leave the section and I stayed in my section uh, in not my seat for the entire game. And so uh, it's kind of a microcosm. Every time we go there, it is a problem about where you're going to sit because there's all these open seats, but you can't sit in them because they're pirate club seats. And I feel like that again, kind of goes to the friendly back and forth between the two schools, but uh, nonetheless, go Seahawks pound the pirates. Yeah. I mean, last time I was in that stadium, um, things went pretty well. So it's great. Aside from the pizza box race. Oh yeah. Uh, the pizza box that didn't go well. But, uh, you know, I, we beat Ohio State in the NCAA tournament after that. And uh, I think the Sunday game when we eliminated ECU, I ended up having to come home because, you know, jobs and all that stuff, which terrible. Um, but you guys stayed like all day through the six inning, <laughs> six hour rain delay or whatever. And finally yeah. uh, stayed until uh, I believe we were out enjoying the ECU nightlife uh, one night. And a, a couple gentlemen at the bar next to us decided to make some conversation uh, to start some conversation by looking our way and saying, we're going to kick y'all's ass tomorrow. And we're like, all right, how do you do? <laughs> Thank you. Um, Making friends everywhere we go. Yeah. We were just sitting at a bar uh, wearing like a UNCW t-shirt after a game or something. We were, uh, there are many times that, that people probably could have started stuff with us based on our behavior. But on this particular occasion, we were, we had done nothing wrong. We were, very quiet. Uh, it was, I think we were pretty tired based on it had been a long day out in the sun, that kind of thing. And um, eventually they came around to, uh, to, you know, be friendly with us, but um, Hey, you know, Greenville, they're, uh, they're into it, which is what makes it fun. Their, their fans are uh, very into it. It's a great place to watch a college baseball game. So um, we'll enjoy that on Wednesday night with the hundred fans and not one more that are hopefully in Brooksfield. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to, it. I mean, that's obviously that's the next game. So that's the important one. And then if you look a little bit past that, which we can do at this point, that's the start of conference play William and Mary at Williamsburg. They lost two out of three to Charleston last weekend to open a CA play for everybody. Actually, those are the only three conference games played so far are um no away fans there at all i'm gonna miss those games i'm not happy about that uh no parents no family members for the visiting team at this point just home pass list and i believe students can come in a limited amount of students right now at william and mary so um so be it here in the in the COVID era state of virginia is discriminating upon north carolinians and uh well you know not fair but hey whatever well, they, have their, they have their own not one more policy. <laughs> Williamsburg is a lovely road destination. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we will get back there uh, next season for both baseball and basketball, which um, had some interesting goings-ons while you were uh, away in Florida. You leave for one day and uh, well, <laughs> so does everyone else. <laughs> yeah. 
what uh, day was that uh that all that news broke it was, was uh, i think it was monday afternoon yeah and um yeah. The transfer portal opened and uh, UNCW flooded into it as best it could. Um, Jake Boggs elected to transfer along with Joe Pridgen, Brian Tolfrey, Amajay Dodd, and then uh, John Bowen was planning to, he's graduating and going to a grad program. Um, so I think he's he may or may not continue his career um, just based on what he finds wherever he's looking for. But best of luck to all those guys, you know. Um, wish some of them would have stayed but hey that's that's bat life that's basketball and they'll find better opportunities for themselves probably you know i think that uh, the uncw offense didn't really work well in favor for some of them you know it is what it is but uncw is in the transformer is going to be in the transfer market pretty heavily uh, obviously takeo siddle was uh, known as an excellent recruiter at NC State. He got them involved with a number of, of big-time talents, a couple of guys that are in the NBA right now. So, uh, so far, UNCW has been linked to uh, transfers. Greg Gant from Providence. He's a, a kind of a 6'8", uh, maybe a stretch four in the UNCW system, but he's from Fayetteville. Um, big athletic kid, strong. He'd be a great fit. And then the other one that they've been linked to is Tyrese Davis, um, who was a uh, kind of a wing guard who put up 11 points uh, last season for Jacksonville. Um, any any concern over the fact that UNCW has guys headed for the transfer portal immediately after the first season? Well, have we heard word as to whether or not Jack Mertens will be returning? Uh, Jack Mertens, yeah, I guess he's got an extra year. Um, he did not see action. In, in, his, uh, in his two games on the roster, which is unfortunate because that would have been a heck of an awesome story for a kid that, that puts in all that work. But uh, I guess we, we still got to see if he's going to use his extra year with the NCAA. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, just joking there a little bit. But, yeah, it would have been cool to see him at least get a minute, you know, in either the final home game of the year or the, the tournament game. Either way. Um, of course, there's concern. I was – I landed, I guess, in Florida and – you know, started scrolling through Twitter and saw like, I think Alex Riley mentioned something about four guys leaving. And I said, wait, what? Is, wait, what? And I had to do some digging to find out what that was in reference to. And it, sure enough, it turns out, you know, all these guys entered the transfer portal. But uh, I think as many guys as you see leaving here, it's, it's happening everywhere else as well. So uh, this year, more than any other, I think it's going to find uh, much easier to fill those holes in the roster. Uh, so I'm optimistic that with all those open spots, Coach Siddle will be able to find guys to put in those spots, you know, whether it's JUCO transfers, grad transfers, or younger guys. I think he wants a mix of guys that he can throw in there and start to mold the roster the way he wants to. So uh, the one criticism, well, not the one, but one criticism, you know, I would say uh, in CB's years where when he had guys leaving, he just, he didn't have the, the backfill. He never got you know, the enough guys in there to, that were able to contribute. I hope that doesn't happen here either. And I don't think it will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so with CB, you know, obviously um, things didn't go well on the court with winning games, but you, you have to be appreciative of the way that they identified some talent. They found some guys, you know, that really didn't get a lot of love and uh, were at Juco's and things like that. Ty Gadsden's a great player. Hopefully he's going to be back next year. Uh, Mike Okaru, great player, hopefully back next year, and I think he will be. 
Um, but yeah, they, they went out and found some really, really good players. Um, Jake Boggs was one of those guys. He was a great player, but um, just, just good. not enough is kind of what I was saying. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing is uh, during the Kevin Keats era, we went out and also we, we got some big time transfers like Denzel Ingram was huge part of our success during that time. And, uh, you know, seeing UNCW's name associated with the guys like Greg Gant, who's a former four-star recruit. And, you know, there, I, I would think that as we go forward through this, based on the guys that Siddle recruited at NC State and the rest of the staff had had some contacts with, um, we're going to see UNCW linked to big name guys that also have, you know, the opportunity to go to ACC and SEC schools down here. And um, I think it'll come down to, hey, whether you want to come to UNCW and be a part of the system or do you want to go to one of those schools and and be, um, you know, you, you might be a good player. Um, but at UNCW, a guy like a Greg Gantz coming from the Big East School of Providence where he he played, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the guy there. But at UNCW, the way that we're going to be playing fast and and running and, and giving guys like him opportunity to, to operate in space really benefits them. So if they want to, that's the biggest thing that we're going to have to sell is, well, we got plenty of playing time to sell because there's only like five guys on the roster right now. And then... Um, you know, I think that we are going to be playing basketball the way that kids want to play basketball in 2021, which is you're going to run, you're going to shoot a lot of threes and uh, you're going to get up and down the floor and you don't need, uh, you don't need a post guy to work through. The center is going to be out there primarily to block shots and to rebound and to run, run at the other rim on uh, once we get a rebound. So I think that'll be cool. Um, it's, it's too bad for Jake Boggs because I, I liked his game, but um, I think based on what he would have been asked to do in the system, he would have been either just kind of that, that rebounder, or uh, he, he needs probably a little bit more in the way of ball handling to play on the perimeter in the way that uh, he would have been asked to play here. So um, now I'm excited to see what happens. I, I think it's going to, I know people are probably freaking out <laughs> watching, you know, a casual fan watching all those guys leave, but I, I think it'll ultimately work out in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think some of those were, you know, maybe like you said, the writing was already kind of on the wall for a couple of those guys. Jake Boggs, you know, a lot of potential, but I, I can see your point there with with, with the fit. Uh, the one big head scratch I would say would be Pridgen, you know, a guy that Siddle brought here. Yeah, um, that's so I'm not, I'm uh, that, not sure that what was changed. The, that was the disappointing one for me. I really um, I liked how hard he played. He's super strong, physical player that. Um, he's a little undersized, you know, to be a post guy around the rim, but he was so strong in his lower body and so quick that it was tough for teams to match up. If they put a really big guy on him, he was just going to out quick them. If they put a small guy, he was going to out muscle them. So, um, you know, maybe there's more to that story. Maybe he wants to get closer to home. Maybe he's got a family situation, who knows, but um, yeah, I would have loved to have seen him back in, in Teal next year. I think he would have been a big part of it. And, you know, routinely coach Siddle was talking about, just he was the toughest guy out there that really set the tone. So that's, you know, you can replace points, you can replace rebounds, but you, you got to have a guy that's going to set the tone like that. And I, I think that, I hope that we're going to find that. I think Jamari Harvey is a guy that's um, going to be kind of one of those people that you look to for your culture because of the way he plays. He just plays so hard and uh, he does a little bit of everything just uh, with his mindset on winning the game and not worrying so much about his own stats. So um 
we'll see. Get some some good things happening. Maybe we'll maybe we'll hear from the coach himself here in the in the near future. That'd be pretty neat. And then you know, we always appreciate the guys' tenure here at UNCW. At least I always do. Um, I, you know, I think when the coaching staff says that, says that they're sincere as well, and, and they always wish the best for those guys. So I know we'll keep an eye on and see where everyone lands. It's going to be crazy, you know, off season with all the, the transfers going every which way. So, yeah, I was just looking at the list. <laughs> um, so, you know, with the extra year that everyone's getting this year, everyone's going to get one for a year. And then based on, it, it seems that there's not going to be any difficulty in passing the legislation that gives everyone a one-time immediate eligibility transfer. So um, looking at the verbal commits list right now, there's like, it looks like maybe 50 players entered the transfer portal today that in their database and they're up to 474 here on March 16th. And that doesn't count the 68 teams still playing in the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to deal with their own changes here and there and, um, you know, once guys start transferring and once they start trying to figure out that extra year is if somebody decides to stay, if a fifth year guy stays, does that mean a recruit doesn't want to go somewhere? Um, a big time player, who knows? Um, Absolutely. But, I mean, it's already happened. It's already happened in baseball, you know? Yeah. So we've already seen that play out. And There's a lot to figure out with these rosters. Way. And um, if, if there was ever a year to have the situation where you, it's kind of like the NBA, you know, where when there's a big free agent class coming up, NBA teams do everything they can to basically clear their books for that summer. And if there is a, a year to have cleared your books, this is the one with the amount of players yeah. and talent that are going to be out there. Cause you're going to be able to completely re- rebuild your roster in a matter of months to look exactly the way you want, which is. Um, you know, Kevin Keats got most of what he wanted pretty quickly here at UNCW. He still had a couple of guys that weren't really great fits, like the CJ Gettys of the world that kind of played but weren't exactly a fit for that system. And I guess it's a little tougher to do with the the ACC level because you see guys kind of tr- coming and going still a few years into that for him. So, um, yeah, it, it's all about finding your fit and establishing the way that you want to play and getting the guys to play that way at this level. Um, so I'm excited about what's coming next. Maybe maybe we'll be less excited in a few months when we see who who ends up committing. But I, I based on the history of what uh, what Coach Siddle has done in recruiting, and you know this is a great year to have a guy like Kurt Kanasky that's been all over the country, and maybe there's a, a guy with an extra year somewhere out west that isn't getting a whole lot of attention that wants to come check out the beach. So you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> not that I haven't said this for a few years running now, but I mean, it can only get up, go up from here. Right. Correct. And you know, it, it was, it was, things were looking pretty darn good right up until uh, about an hour before tip off in the Drexel game, <laughs> we were feeling really good about things. And then, um, then we weren't because UNCW ended up spending 53 out of the 93 days not playing during the season, which was a, a crazy thing to imagine. So uh, good things coming on basketball. I, I would imagine that we're going to start hearing some names, uh, no visits to speak of because of uh, recruiting is still done virtually no on-campus visits and that kind of thing, but uh, we'll start hearing names and folks that are uh, going to have the chance to join the program. And hopefully we'll be doing a little bit of reporting on that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, outside of that, um, soccer, soccer continues to roll, huh? 
Yeah, absolutely. I was leaving the baseball game on, was it Saturday night? And uh, could see the, the scoreboard there on our way out of off campus. So there's maybe about seven minutes left in the game and they took care of business against Elon two nothing. They sit at four Oh and one on the year. Uh, number 13 in one of the polls, number 15 in another. I think they traveled to Charleston this weekend for their second CAA matchup of this season. I mean, really, I think they're past the halfway point at this point. It's just a short, condensed, uh, I think it was a 10-game season, and one of them's already been you know, postponed or canceled. So I guess half, they're either halfway or, or one game past halfway at this point. So, so far, so good. Yeah, I always love to see that. The soccer team has been uh, – the, the program's been really good. Um, program's been really solid for several years now. They're regular at the top of the CAA, regular in the CAA tournament to go and win a game there, here and there. So um, that's exciting. Got a lunch review? You want to review the PTs that we had on Saturday night after the game? <laughs> uh, P- yeah, I think people know what they get when they go to PTs. I, th- I thought about it here. I have been trying – a lot of different food trucks here over the past few uh, weeks and months, just kind of trying to get out there, support local business. I will give my shout out this week to the CBT burger truck. Um, I believe that stands for chef Bud Taylor for those that are wondering. Um, CBT. Yep. A little different than what some other people know that as, Um, but uh, you know, pretty simple. He's got his, you know, classic burger. He's got his uh, other burger as well, which he's modeled after. I guess he used to be a, a chef in a you know brick and mortar restaurant and had a award-winning burger there. So he's got two main burgers to choose from. Uh, I got the one, the basic one comes with onions, re- like really caramelized onions. They melt in your mouth. Um, just a phenomenal burger. I, I'm, I'm the guy that normally takes off all those extra things. I don't want all that stuff on my burger. I'm like a child. I just want ketchup and cheese kind of thing. Um, but they, they scolded me when I asked for no onions and no pickle. <laughs> I still took the pickle off anyways, but I did eat it with the onions and they were right. I mean, it, all the ingredients come together and, and form uh, just a, a wonderful party in your mouth. So if you get, if you get a chance, I, I know I, I, they go to all the breweries around town, CBT burger truck, uh, get one, you won't regret it. I will, PT is obviously awesome. And since I live up here in the triangle, I don't get a chance to visit as often as I would like. It's my wife's first time trying uh, the PTs uh, at all. Um, she loved the burger, um, made special mention of the fries, obviously. And then the next, on Sunday morning, when we were getting ready to go to the game, she was like, oh man, I'm still thinking about those PT fries. So I was like, yeah, we can swing by and get some for the road. But uh, we, we got to start working on the COVID-15-20 Maybe it's 20 at this point, but things aren't looking so good. Um, yes, PT is awesome. It was good to be back in town for the weekend. It was beautiful. It's like every time I drive through campus, I'm like, holy crap, there's a new building over there. It's just yeah, insane no to see. Um, yeah. Swung by the bookstore, which is uh, interesting. They, they've got, um, they got some cool stuff in there right now, which is good to see. I think the offerings have improved recently. Uh, they got a number of cool uh, Adidas things. They got some Nike stuff, but... Uh, they actually had a replica, like the blue baseball jersey made by Adidas. So that was pretty neat to see uh, stuff like that. Always a big fan of seeing the uh, the actual Adidas branded offerings and would love for that to continue. Um, you got your stimulus check coming up. Uh, go wild over there. I, I surely yeah, do. And I swung by there maybe a couple months ago when I had a, another friend in town, you know, kind of the same thing you did. Just wanted to see campus and see what was there at the bookstore. And I was somewhat surprised to see some decent offerings, 
still not what it could be. Speaking of gear, you know, we didn't bring it up, but the throwbacks on Saturday, you know, for the baseball team wearing the green caps, the yellow jerseys. I mean, how phenomenal did those look? Yeah, that was a, that was a fantastic look. And um, if anyone out there has any ability to make it happen, I, I promise you, you would make a ton of money if you marketed that stuff with the old flying hawk and the sailor hat logo. Just make that happen, people. We'll, we'll buy it all. We'll buy everything with the old W logo with the hawk on it. Throw it on hoodies, throw it on t-shirts, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll get out there and hawk it myself at games. You know, don't get caught for solicitation. Yes, yes. Purely, uh, purely licensed uh, as an agent of the university. <laughs> But I agree with you. I, you know, I, and I don't know what the contracts are. And I mean, you'd have to think you could just double the order for the jerseys or something like that, or the hats and, you know, sell them, you know, do, you know, do like those, uh, those pre-sales, you know, that you see every year for the Adidas catalog, you know, you see it for basketball and soccer and tennis and, you know, all those just do those pre-sales and, you know, have the people prepay for it. And it's, you know, no risk at all. You know, you you prepay for it, and you and pocket you know, hundred percent of the proceeds back to the program. It's a no brainer. Yeah, I was I was in the bookstore uh, for ten minutes, and I spent um, a lot more than I should have because I saw like really cool stuff. I think there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, have been interested who follow the Seahawks and are interested in the school and love the school and. Once they see nice gear out there, they buy every piece of it possible because that's kind of been the one thing that we've really lacked over the years. So um, nice to see that. Hopefully it continues trending upward. Um, I think we covered everything. It was a uh, it was an off weekend for the rally cap. Um, True. Yeah. Smooth sailing. Hopefully, you know, well rested if needed. But, you know, if we never saw the rally cat again all year, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. Rally cats ready to come out of the bullpen if necessary. Um I'm glad. I, and just for the record, I'm not running that Twitter account. I'm glad that someone is. I think it's hilarious. Um, but no, I'm 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 pretty insane. But I do not have uh, the type of type of mental health issues that involve me tweeting at myself from my cat's account. So, no, that is not me. Let's keep up the good work with that. Uh, got a couple brooms up at Brooksfield now on the year. Um, got that rectified. Um, I think that uh, that that just about covers it. Looking forward to getting down there on Wednesday. If you see either of us around, perhaps uh, ask us if you are interested in a piece of perch merch, and we might hook you up. We'll have it ready to go. Perch merch.